Welcome to Huddle with Your Accountant, hosted by Selden Fox's own Dan DeMario. Here's Dan now with episode two. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the second episode of the Huddle with Your Accountant podcast. I'm your host, Dan DeMario, here once again from our spacious Selden Fox Studios in Oak Brook, Illinois. Now, today's podcast topic is centered around starting a small business, where we will talk about some of the administrative and technical aspects that may get overlooked when starting a business, but in the end, it can make all the difference in the world between success and failure. With me today will be Amy Schrader, who is Selden Fox's Accounting Solutions Manager. Now, Amy's primary duties entail advising our firm's small business clients with their back office accounting. However, another important reason Amy is our guest today is she actually has the first-hand experience of at one time starting her own small business, which her and I will delve into later in the episode. So before we kick off today's discussion, Amy, how are we doing? Doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me. Awesome. No problem. I appreciate you agreeing to join the huddle. So let's go ahead and get started. We often hear that small businesses are the engines of job creation in the United States. Their value in the role they play in today's economy is often overlooked because these businesses are in fact small. However, there's nothing small about the impact they have. In fact, according to a recent study by NBC News, there are estimated to be between 25 and 27 million small businesses in the United States that account for roughly 60 to 80% of all U.S. jobs. So Amy, after hearing the statistics, my first question to you is this. What is your advice to entrepreneurs taking that first step and making their dream a reality of operating a successful small business? Well, once you've decided to take that leap, Dan, definitely sit down and develop a business plan. Organize your thoughts, organize your efforts, and think about how you expect your business to grow over the next three to five years. Your business plan can be as simple or as elaborate as you need to get started, but the main objective here is, is in doing this at the beginning, you lay out this roadmap for yourself to, to help you understand where you want to go and how it evolves through the early stages. Great advice, Amy. I agree the business plan is the place to begin sort of, I guess, the genesis, I guess, of operating a small business. Now, can you provide some specific details then on what this plan should include? Yeah, well, the hardest part of any business plan is putting pen to paper. So start with the big ideas and then work your way into the details. Um, You know, some of those big idea elements are going to be putting together that executive summary and then putting together, you know, what's called a marketing analysis. Um, You know, so to go into it a little bit, an executive summary lays out your basic information about your company, Uh, what you want your business to be about, your product, your service, location, who's involved at the beginning, is it just going to be you, or is it a partner? Um, You know, in terms of marketing analysis, uh, go out there and research your industry, research your target market, look at your pricing levels for your product, where you want to be, how you want your business to to reach out to, to your customers. Figure out how your product stands out against against others in the industry and your competition. You know, this is a rapidly changing world, and, and the more you consider how you can impact or maybe even shape the industry in your area, uh, you know, the more you innovate. Um, I think, you know, put that those thoughts together in the being, and, and then that'll, you know, come to fruition later on. Okay, Amy, so your advice is to start your plan with your company's vision and then get an understanding of its industry's footprint. Big picture makes sense to me. Is there anything else you maybe would recommend to be included in this plan, though? Yes, this is the part where you have to start thinking about your money. You need to put that forecast together, which thinks about your revenues and expenses for at least the three to five years. Um, Use that marketing research that you put together to think about your realistic and stretch sales goals. And for expenses, um, think about how much it's going to cost to keep your business afloat, you know, from a day-to-day, month-to-month basis. 
um, and how much you're going to invest in the company. Keep track of all of your startup costs um, that you're, that you're, as you go through this process because the startup cost could be a tax benefit to your business later on. The IRS provides an immediate $5,000 deduction on startup costs the first year and it gives you an opportunity to amortize the rest of those costs over the next 180 months. And you know, as you're thinking about that, remember that not all of your investments money. Think about things that you may already be bringing to the business like vehicles, computer equipment, office furniture. These are fixed assets. And Dan, as you know, the IRS provides some benefits when it comes to these fixed assets as well. Correct, yes. So listeners, when our tax consultants here at Sullivan Fox create tax savings planning techniques for our clients, which include many small businesses, we focus on business deductions. One of the principal business deductions to take advantage of is the depreciation of fixed assets. Now the term fixed assets generally refers to items as large as manufacturing equipment and as small as office furniture and computers. Either way, these items should not be neglected from an income tax planning perspective in that these fixed assets can be written off either using an accelerated depreciation method or evenly over the useful life of the asset. Now, Amy, with that being said, do you have any last suggestions on what the business plan should entail? Yeah, uh, you need to consider organizational structure. Uh, think about what the key functions of your business are going to be and who is going to be in charge of all of those functions and ask yourself things like who's going to grow the business, um, who's going to do the actual work, who's going to be in charge of managing the back office operations like paying bills and managing the checkbook. You know, in the beginning, a lot of small business owners find themselves doing most or all of this on their own. And then, and then as their company grows, they may bring in independent contractors to get that work done. They may bring in consultants to cover their operations. Um, and then at some point, those business owners are ready to hire their own employees. Um, consider this evolution when you're thinking about the structure of your business, you know, from the beginning and going on through the, the early stages. And then think about your need for any additional support and manpower in the plan, where that's going to happen and what's going to trigger those needs. You know, for example, if you have profits that hit, you know, X amount or once you have, you know, this many clients, maybe it's time to engage other people to get other people involved in running your business. Based on what I've seen in my experience, a lot of business owners try to hold off on hiring employees as long as they can. And there are benefits to doing that, but you should be aware that the IRS has defined specific rules that dictate when independent contractors should be called employees. Now, this is another technical point for everyone to be aware of. Employee versus independent contractor is a very important topic for small business owners opening their doors for the first time. Employees must be distinguished from independent contractors because, generally speaking, an employer does not have employment tax obligations with respect to independent contractors. The IRS for many years relied on a 20-factor test to determine whether individuals are employees or independent contractors. However, in what I consider an unexpected shift in government efficiency, the IRS actually recently narrowed its analysis to focus on behavioral principles, which take into consideration three parts. Behavioral control, financial control, and relationship to the parties. Now, the IRS will center their analysis around the evidence of control and the independence each of the individuals in question has in assisting the small business owner. The position of the IRS in audit situations will be to try to reclassify as many individuals as possible to employees, which in turn will shift and create a payroll tax obligation for the employer. So it's very important for entrepreneurs beginning their journey as small business owners to recognize the level of direction and control they have over the individuals performing the tasks. So Amy, let's take a step back here. I'm an entrepreneur. My business plan is in place, which includes a realistic budget. Now, what are your thoughts on distinguishing personal finances from business finances? Oh, this is a great point, Dan. This is often overlooked by new business owners, and I see this a lot with people that I work with. As soon as you can, separate your personal and your business finances. 
And you, you, when you start out, you don't really need an EIN or what's called a federal employee identification number right away unless you have employees or unless you start as a partnership or a corporation. But you know what? Get it anyways. It's free. It's, it takes a few minutes. And it allows you to keep your personal Social Security number private. Getting that federal EIN also allows you to open a separate business bank account and keep a separate business credit card. These are all very important. Um, you know, so when you establish this clean line between personal and business finances from the start, you save yourself a lot of headache down the road, and um, you keep everything clean from a bookkeeping and a tax filing perspective. Amy, totally agree. So from a pure IRS audit perspective, our experience has been here that if there's anything close to commingling of personal or business finances, the IRS tends to be very aggressive in their disallowance of business expense deductions. This action thereby shifts the burden of proof back to the taxpayer in substantiating what can be very well be legitimate business expenses. Now it's imperative from the onset that small business owners take this subject seriously when considering the use of personal bank and credit card accounts. Amy, as we keep building this discussion now, you know, I've got to the point now where you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I finalized my business plan, I have my realistic budget in place, my business finances are independent from my personal finances. It's like, what else should I be thinking about here in this situation? Well, at a, this point, you're ready for your business licenses, registrations. That would be next on my list. Know where you're doing your business and get rec the required business licenses to operate in that county and that state. And think about this. If you also sell products retail, you may have, to, you may have state and local sales tax requirements that you may have to worry about. And find out if you have any special business permits that you may need for zoning. If you incorporate within your state, you're going to need to file what's called an Articles of Incorporation or Articles of Organization, depending on the type of entity that your business is. And I understand, Dan, that your next Huddle podcast is going to address this point, determining what kind of entity in light of tax liability you need to be, right? Yes, Amy. I guess spoiler alert to all the listeners out there. Uh, that is correct. The majority of entrepreneurs begin in sole proprietorship form, but in due time as their business grows, there are net earning benchmarks that the individuals will hit they may trigger the need to revise their choice of entity type primarily based on for income tax purposes, which we'll delve into in our next huddle episode. Uh, now getting back into the growth of the startup, even though your sole proprietorship you know, is earning these real dollars and profits are increasing, keep in mind self-employed individuals are subject to basically two tiers of income tax. The primary tier of which is regular income tax, and then that secondary tier is what they call self-employment tax. However, there are two substantial tax savings planning points that I want everyone to be aware of in order to kind of minimize these multiple tiers of income tax. The first is the deduction for self-employment health insurance. Here, self-employed persons may deduct from gross income 100% of amounts paid during the year for health insurance, not only for themselves, but also their spouse's independence. Now, it's important to keep in mind here, when considering who is a dependent, children under the age of 27 are considered dependents of a taxpayer for purposes of the deduction for the health insurance costs of a self-employed person, spouse, and dependents. Also, dependents have a broad definition, which can include, in some instances, elderly parents and in-laws. So in situations where the taxpayer is self-employed and is not only incurring costs for their own family's health insurance, but they're also incurring health insurance costs for their elderly parents and in-laws, remember to keep track of these expenditures because they can quickly add up and help offset a self-employed pe uh, person's income. The second substantial tax savings planning point to be aware of is the Simplified Employee Pension Contribution which is also known as the SEP IRA contribution. The SEP plan provides business owners with a simplified method to contribute to their own retirement savings. Annual contributions to a SEP IRA cannot see the lesser of 20% of business profits or $53,000. Now, in order to deduct your SEP IRA contribution for a particular year, 
the business owner must make the contribution by the due date, including extensions, of their tax return for that tax year. Now, from a tax plan perspective, this rule is great. For instance, let's say you're a sole proprietor, you operate your business through a Schedule C, and come April 15th, you have the opportunity to contribute to your SEP IRA, but you know, for whatever reason, maybe the funds aren't readily available. You know, cash is tight, expenses are kind of piling up. Well, in this case, you're going to have the opportunity to file an extension for your individual income tax return, and then assuming cash flow improves over the course of the summer, maybe even early fall, you will then be able to take advantage of this SEP IRA contribution. So, Amy, we've gone from the initial conception of a business plan to a successful company yielding enough profit to consider retirement planning. I guess before we close out today's podcast, I wanted to make sure we got your own personal perspective, though. I briefly mentioned in the intro that at one point, you know, you had started operating your own small business. Now, we have spent plenty of time discussing all the technical and accounting techniques that everyone should be aware of. But I guess on a personal level, is there any of your own advice you want to provide to our listeners today who are either just starting out on their own or maybe kind of on the fence of whether maybe make that leap from an individual to a small business owner? Yeah, yeah. you know what, there are so many lessons. <laughs> but I say the one lesson that I've learned from my experience is that it would be important to impart to anyone starting their own business today would be, you know, to find a way to maintain that balance between business and your personal life. Being a business owner is hard work, and you'll be wearing multiple hats. You'll be up at dawn. You'll be home late at night. That's all part of the deal. That all goes with the territory. But remember, you are your business's most valuable asset. So working full steam 24-7 for long periods of time will wear anyone down at any point. And burning yourself out and you're running your own business will eventually take a toll on the quality of your productivity and your business will suffer. So don't try to do it all by yourself. Delegate tasks when you can and find partners that can help you in your business objectives. Think about how your business will evolve, uh, how your structure is going to go, maybe from just being you to to being you plus employees or, or partners for healthy business growth, but also for your own personal balance. Amy, 100% agree. Uh, it's very easy for life uh, and your work to kind of get flipped out of script, out of balance. So it's, it's important every once in a while to take a step back, realign your priorities, and then jump back into the fold. Um, once again, Amy, appreciate all your perspectives today. Thanks again for stopping by and outlining some of these best practices, you know, laying the foundation for our small business listeners in anticipation of their business growth. Now, if any of our listeners have a question about a topic discussed today, please do not hesitate to contact Amy or myself at www dot seldenfox.com and then by clicking on the our people link in the top right hand corner of the page before we break from today's huddle though remember we account for your future here at selden fox so we want to hear from you the listener hit us up on twitter that's at selden fox that's at s-e-l-d-e-n-f-o-x and also follow us on LinkedIn and let us know what topics you want to hear from our team here at Selden Fox in a future huddle podcast again a big thanks this episode goes out to our guest Amy Schrader as well as our podcast director, Marian Adams, and, of course, my man, producer Nick, behind the glass. Look for another Hoddle podcast in the upcoming months discussing what role the choice of entity plays in establishing a new business. Should that small business owners consider a sole proprietorship, an S-corporation, or even maybe bringing in additional investors and forming a partnership? Also, at what point should the entity classification you choose initially be reconsidered? Until next time, this is Dan DeMario. Thanks for joining us.